the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Friday, June 30th, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I see Bill to my right and David Dull in our production chair, as is his warrant. How you doing today? Everyone doing good? Reading faces and... Yes, good. Another tremendously important case comes out of the Supreme Court this morning, this time on the free speech clause of the First Amendment. It was written by Neil Gorsuch. And it is a reaffirmation of not only common sense and liberty, it is a vindication of the bedrock principle that the government cannot coerce speech. That is, force you to say something you don't believe. That is the stuff, after all, of tyranny, or so we used to think. And we can think that way again. Coming today, as this case does, like yesterday's case on the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment, we have a very good set of teaching tools and reinforced teaching on what our country's foundations are all about just in time for her 247th birthday next week. Like yesterday, I'd like to give you excerpts from the majority opinion, in this case, Justice Gorsuch's opinion, in its most important and decisive excerpts. So here what with some of what Justice Gorsuch wrote. Like many states, Colorado has a law forbidding businesses from engaging in discrimination when they sell goods and services to the public. Laws along these lines have done much to secure the civil rights of all Americans. But in this particular case, Colorado does not just seek to ensure the sale of goods or services on equal terms. It seeks to use its law to compel an individual to create speech she does not believe in. The person seeking to vindicate her free speech rights here is one Lori Smith, who designs websites, including websites for weddings. And due to her Christian beliefs, while she would turn down no customer based on their race, sex, religion, or sexual orientation, she does not believe she should have to be compelled or forced to design wedding websites for the kinds of marriages or weddings she, due to her Christian beliefs, does not agree with. This to Ms. Smith, includes not designing websites promoting expressions that contradict her own views for anyone, whether that means generating works that encourage violence, demeaning another person, or or defying her religious beliefs by, say, promoting atheism. Ms. Smith acknowledges that her views about marriage may not be popular in all quarters, but she asserts the First Amendment's free speech clause protects her from being compelled to speak what she does not believe. The Constitution, she insists, protects her right to differ. Gorsuch goes on, The framers designed the free speech clause of the First Amendment to protect the freedom to think as you will and to speak as you think. They did so because they saw the freedom of speech both as an end and as a means. An end because the freedom to think and speak is among our inalienable human rights— a means because the freedom of thought and speech 
is indispensable to the discovery and spread of political truth. By allowing all views to flourish, the framers understood we may test and improve our own thinking both as individuals and as a nation. From time to time, governments in this country have sought to test these foundational principles. For example, the court faced an effort by the state of West Virginia in the 1940s to force schoolchildren to salute the nation's flag and recite the Pledge of Allegiance. If the students refused, the state threatened to expel them and fine or jail their parents. Some families objected on the grounds that the state sought to compel their children to express views at odds with their faith, as, in this case, Jehovah's Witnesses. When the dispute arrived here, this court offered a firm response. In seeking to compel students to salute the flag and recite a pledge, the court held state authorities had transcended constitutional limitations on their powers. The dictates invaded the sphere of intellect and spirit, which it is the purpose of the First Amendment to reserve from all official control. A similar effort happened in the 1990s when veterans organizing a St. Patrick's Day parade in Boston refused to include a group of gay, lesbian, and bisexual individuals in their event. The group argued that Massachusetts law entitled it to participate in the parade as a matter of law. The Supreme Court disagreed. Whatever state law may demand, this Supreme Court explained that the parade was constitutionally protected speech and requiring the veterans to include voices they wished to exclude would impermissibly require them to alter the expressive content of their parade. The veterans' choice of what to say and not to say may have been unpopular, but they had a First Amendment right to present their message undiluted by views they did not share. Then there is Boy Scouts of America v. Dale. In that case, the Boy Scouts excluded James Dale, an assistant scoutmaster, from membership after learning he was gay. Mr. Dale argued that New Jersey's public accommodations law required the scouts to reinstate him. The Supreme Court found otherwise. The decision to exclude Mr. Dale may not have implicated pure speech, but this court held that the Boy Scouts is an expressive association entitled to First Amendment protection, and the court found forcing the scouts to include Mr. Dale would interfere with its choice not to propound a point of view contrary to its beliefs. As these cases illustrate, the First Amendment protects an individual's right to speak his mind regardless of whether the government considers his speech sensible and well-intentioned or deeply misguided and likely to cause anguish or incalculable grief. The government may not compel a person to speak its own preferred messages, nor does it matter whether the government seeks to compel a person to speak its messages when he would prefer to remain silent or to force an individual to include other ideas with his own speech that he would prefer not to include. A hundred years ago, Miss Smith might have furnished her services using pen and paper. Those services are no less protected speech today because they are conveyed with a voice that resonates farther than it could from any soapbox. All manner of speech, from pictures, films, paintings, drawings, and engravings, to oral utterances in the printed word, qualify for the First Amendment's protections. No less, it can hold true when it comes to speech like Miss Smith's conveyed over the Internet. Here, Colorado seeks to compel speech it believes is contrary to the belief Miss Smith believes in order to exercise certain ideas or viewpoints and take them out of the public dialogue. Here, Colorado seeks to put Miss Smith to a choice 
If she wishes to speak, she must either speak as the state demands or face punishment for expressing her beliefs, punishment that may include compulsory participation in remedial training of all things, filing periodic compliance reports as officials deem necessary, and paying monetary fines. Consider, Gorsuch writes, what a contrary approach would mean. Under Colorado's logic, the government may compel anyone who speaks for pay on a given topic to accept all commissions on that same topic, no matter the underlying message, if the topic somehow implicates a customer's statutorily protected trait. Taken seriously, that principle would allow the government to force all manner of artists, speechwriters, and others whose services involve speech to speak what they don't believe under pain of penalty or penalty. The government could require an unwilling Muslim movie director to make a film with a Zionist message or an atheist muralist to accept a commission celebrating evangelical zeal so long as they would make films or murals for other members of the public with different messages. Equally, the government could force a male website designer married to another man to design websites for an organization that advocates against same-sex marriages. Countless other creative professionals, too could be forced to choose between remaining silent, producing speech that violates their belief, or speaking their minds and incurring punishments for doing so. This is what the First Amendment prohibits. Miss Smith's voice may be unique, Miss Smith's voice may be unique, but so is everyone's. But that hardly means a state may co-opt an individual's voice for its own purposes. That would not respect the First Amendment. More nearly, it would spell its demise. In this case, Colorado seeks to force an individual to speak in ways that align with its views but defy her conscience about a matter of major significance. But as this court has long held, the opportunity to think for ourselves and to express those thoughts freely is among our most cherished liberties and part of what keeps our republic strong. Of course, abiding the Constitution's commitment to the freedom of speech means all of us will encounter ideas we consider unattractive, misguided, or even hurtful. But tolerance, not coercion, is our nation's answer. The First Amendment envisions the United States as a rich and complex place where all persons are free to think and speak as they wish, not as the government demands. That was what I thought were the most important excerpts from Justice Gorsuch's lesson. And I thank him for recurring to the first task of the intelligent, which is to restate the obvious, as Orwell put it. It is a sign of our times that we need to do so. Governments cannot compel us what to say or what to think. Most who grew up with Schoolhouse Rock would know this. The left, however, has tried and tried and tried to saturate the field with right think and right speak, that what the state views as right, we must all view as right, and more than view, say or speak. That, as I said earlier, is the stuff of Mao and Stalin and Pol Pot and Castro, not the stuff of Washington and Madison and Jefferson and Hamilton. I'll ask the Joe Biden question then. Whose side between those eight competing visions are you on? At the height of World War II, Justice Robert Jackson wrote, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official higher petty can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion, or other matters of opinion 
or for citizens to confess by word or act their faith therein. So I'll close my monologue today as I closed it yesterday. God bless and God save this honorable court. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. There was another important Supreme Court case today, too, decided 6-3 against the Biden administration's student loan, college student loan bailout program and plan. And what's most interesting to me about this, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it, is compared to the case I discussed in my monologue in the previous segment, which was about the First Amendment and forcing citizens to say, paint, draw, argue for things they don't agree with, which three members of the Supreme Court think they should have to do. That is not the case that's getting the lead story at, say, as I looked, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and CNN. It's the college bailout case. That's the one at the top of the fold. That's the one that's getting the most the, the 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 majority of the columns between the two the plurality of the columns between the two and i was trying to figure out why it was why it is that people would think a case about striking down a misinterpretation of statutory authority that the president thought he had regarding student loan forgiveness is more important than preserving the arguments on behalf of free speech preserving the rights of conscience. I, um, I think I would have this tenuous thought about it, temporary and tenuous thought as to why that is. Why is the college loan case so much more important to the left? And I think it's this. I think it's because they believe that the colleges and the universities are the most important institutions in this country, the most important institutions for indoctrinating that right think or right belief I was discussing in the other case that the state was trying to compel. If the state can't, after all, state be it one of the 50 states or state being, you know, a representation of the government, if the state can't compel a belief because the First Amendment gets in its way, why then let's just train the children and young adults through K-12 and higher education to believe those very things, to instantiate the orthodoxy the left wants. These are primarily, by the way, primarily institutions of the left. And by primarily, I mean overwhelmingly. I mean over 90%. Name me five colleges off the top of your head that aren't. We all know where to start with one or two. I wonder if we can even off the top of our head get to five. You ever walk into a faculty lounge, a college campus, a civil rights organization of the left? The only noun that can describe all those places to perfection is orthodoxy. Orthodoxy has an interesting derivation as well. 
by the way. It's from the Greek, orthodoxos, meaning precisely having the right opinion. When I talked about right think, that's, that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's not having right reason, recta ratio in the Latin. It's having the right opinion. Forget reason. Reason is out. It's enforced thought. One, orthodoxy is based on command and control, if you will. Right opinion based on the dictates of those in power. Reason is based on actual thinking and thought and debate, which is why free speech has such a hard time on our campuses. Our colleges and universities are about orthodoxy. Anything that can get more students driven into them and relieving of those students the pangs or pains and penalties of paying for it is, in fact, perhaps the most important thing to the leftist progressive agenda. That must be why this case is deemed so much more important. You know, the White House thinks it is, too. Joe Biden held a uh, put out held a held a press conference on the on the student loan decision. And so did Karin Jean-Pierre. And they brought out two cabinet secretaries on it as well. They did not hold press conferences on the Colorado case, on the free speech case, on the freedom of conscience case. I think we should call it freedom of conscience more than freedom of speech. On the compelled speech case, if you will. They didn't. So they didn't think of it as, as that important either compared to what was done with the student loan bailout which was based, as I say, and the Supreme Court handled it, as I say, as a misuse and abuse of, st- of statutory authority that the president believed he had. Now, it's funny thing about that. The funny thing about that is that there were a lot of Democrats who, until Joe Biden was president, including Nancy Pelosi, when there, were ta- when there was talk and discussion of, of uh, student debt and student loan relief, of doing so through executive order, Even Nancy Pelosi said, you can't do it that way. This is something that has to go through the Congress. That, of course, too, is what the Supreme Court held today. In any event, I think it's because our colleges and universities are about orthodoxy that the administration and the leftist media went so full hog on this one, especially over the much, I think, much more important case that vindicated our rights to have a freedom of conscience, the freedom to write and say what we believe, especially if it contradicts the state. How would you ever change a law if you can't speak out against a state law? How could you ever have freedom of conscience if the conscience is dictated to you by the state? And again, the reason I think that's so much more important than anything else is three Supreme Court justices don't. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. When Joe Biden denounces the Supreme Court and he calls it not normal, and when the vice president and the rest of the Democratic Party's leadership uh, start calling it illegitimate because of the decisions it comes out with that they don't agree with. Um, 
I'll go back to what I was saying about that very point yesterday because you got it again today as you got it yesterday, as you got it after the Dobbs decision about a year ago. Hard to build respect for our institutions as Joe Biden and the Democrats ran their 2020 campaign on when the respect for those institutions, institutions of longstanding, institutions of standing from our very beginning, are condemned and criticized only because one party doesn't like the outcome that those institutions stand for. Does it work both ways? Does it pass the shoe on the other foot test? Do we get to call Joe Biden or try it out this way? Do we get to call Kamala Harris illegitimate because we don't agree with what they say or what they think? Do we? Do we get to call the Senate illegitimate because it's run by Democrat by the Democratic Party or the De- or run by the Democrats? Do we get to say it? Is that is it illegitimate that way? I have never seen such an abuse of institutions and norms as I have from the Democratic Party, particularly with the use of the word illegitimate, which they, of course, you will remember, used to a fairly well to describe Donald Trump's presidency. Now, they grafted that on to a series of lies that they knew were lies with regard to Russian interference, and you got that lie from everyone from Hillary Clinton to Nancy Pelosi to the Democratic Party leadership in the House and in the Senate to MSNBC to CNN and, for goodness sakes, a former president and James Earl Carter. They all said Donald Trump was illegitimate. Now, I don't know what Jimmy Carter knew. But I do know that Hillary Clinton knew. And I do know that Adam Schiff knew. And I do know that Nancy Pelosi known, knew or should have known that the whole Russian collusion hoax was nothing more than a hoax paid for and invented by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And we knew this early on. So the point of calling Donald Trump's presidency illegitimate had to be carrying with it the same kind of findings they would have used and attempts and attacks they would have used had some other Republican become elected other than Donald Trump. They would have done that just as when we get used to Joe Biden and the Democrats talking about Donald Trump as representing as representing and representative of MAGA extremism or sometimes mega MAGA extremism, we saw what happened the moment Ron DeSantis entered the race. The same thing. The same thing. We Republicans are untermenschen to all of the Democrats. And if it takes the attacking of an institution and the tearing down of an institution to get that point across, that's what they'll do. This is why they were so callous about the threats against Supreme Court justices. This is why the leader of the Democratic Party in the Senate, Chuck Schumer, could lead a rally in front of the Supreme Court saying, we're coming for you, Gorsuch, we're coming for you, Kavanaugh, you will inherit the whirlwind. They got away with saying that kind of stuff. When an actual assassination attempt was effectuated against Brett Kavanaugh, not a word was said. Not a word. An assassination attempt on a Supreme Court 
justice. Never got a peep out of Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. When protesters were violating the law, protesting in front of Supreme Court justices' houses, what did the then press secretary from the White House, Jen Psaki, say? She said, I suppose they're breaking the law. I just hope they remain peaceful. That's exactly what she said. They don't care about the norms as they tell us we are the ones breaking them. I'm Seth Leapson, 602-508-0960. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. China, Russia, India, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration sends hundreds of billions abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. Moreover, the biggest financial threat may actually be coming from within. Central bank digital currency is real. The patents have been filed and the big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group see devastating implications. The end of cash, the end of financial privacy, big government able to see your every purchase. Could there be ties to social credit? Own private currency, gold and silver. Now get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. 3000 or visit them online at midasgoldgroup.com midasgoldgroup.com what do we got as our uh, pin today and thank you for making it a quiet one rather than the clicker clapper <laughs> young david well um I, I didn't plan this but when i put this on it says uh, we want fdr again and as you probably know fdr was a notorious court packer how did you uh, oh that's what you mean you didn't plan it yeah i didn't plan okay. this cuz I, I think i put this on before the uh, the rulings came out oh i see okay yeah, all but, right uh, no it's interesting uh, i would imagine that we'll be hearing more of that talk once again on uh, that yeah i i suppose we will i suppose it's going to be a big campaign theme um I don't know. You know, the Democrats may have may have exhausted their barrels on this, though, um, because, well, let's go back to that Dobbs decision for a moment from last year. Um, I, I don't think there's any question that it had and played a big role in the 2020 election. I don't think it had to play the role against Republicans and conservatives that it did. I think conservatives and Republicans in too many cases were ill-prepared and unprepared to defend it. I do note that those that were prepared and well-prepared to defend it did very well in battleground states, several of them. Um, But those that didn't or those that cowered from it didn't fare quite as well. But the Democrats did use it as they, I think, predictably would have or even should have tried to use it in the election. But here, here's why I think they may have they may have emptied their 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 um, their arsenal with nothing left on this. I was looking at something from John Hinderocker. Rasmussen has some interesting data on the question of abortion being over as an issue. Um, 
According to Rasmussen, one year after the Supreme Court overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade ruling so that each state can now determine its own laws regarding abortion, a majority of voters approve the decision. The latest Rasmussen report, National Telephone and Online Survey, finds that 52% of likely U.S. voters approves of the court overturning Roe v. Wade, including 37% who strongly approve, 44% disapprove, including 36% who strongly disapprove. So there's an overall approval majority, and more people strongly approve of it than strongly disapprove of it. John writes, that's fine as far as it goes, but Dobbs, which was plainly correct as a matter of constitutional law, was electoral poison, not because it was opposed by a majority, but because it motivated the Democrats' base to get out and vote. And the abortion issue possibly could be used for that again, especially if you combine it with other attacks on the Supreme Court. But I have to tell you, I think the the better analysis on that comes from um, from an attorney uh, I like very much. Uh, he goes on Twitter by the name D.C. Drano or the handle D.C. Drano. His real name is Rogan O'Hanley. And he says, it truly feels like there has been a seismic shift in the culture war. We took down Bud Light and Target. Pride Month is barely limping across the finish line this year. Systemic racism and LGBT tyranny were defeated in the Supreme Court within 48 hours. And he says, it ain't pretty or quick, but we the people are on the march. And when you you look at what has to be an increasing doubt, not has to be, is increasing doubt, Uh, from mainstream media, particularly the efforts at CBS News, which are continuing to cover the Hunter Biden scandal, which is really the IR, excuse me, really the Department of Justice scandal. Do you know that the that the uh, prosecutor, David Weiss, U.S. attorney David Weiss, didn't even interview Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter's business partner? Didn't even interview Tony Bobolinsky, Hunter's business partner, who, by the way, said he wanted to be interviewed said he wanted to be interviewed by the grand jury. Never, never, never happened by the, by the investigators. Never happened. That's a very thorough investigation, don't you think? Hardly. But that CBS is picking up on this again, and that there is an increasing doubt about Joe Biden's capabilities and abilities, and increasing interest in both Gavin Newsom and Robert Kennedy Jr., it tells me that Ryan O'Hanley, D.C. Drano, has a very strong case to make. Now, this is early, of course, and who knows what the Democrats will try and pull. Look at what they have done. Look at the Russian collusion hoax. Look at the hiding of the Hunter Biden laptop story and the censoring of it by the New York, of the New York Post and those who wanted to tweet out the story. They are very, they are very, very, very capable operatives. So I don't want us to say everything's going our way. Let's uh, kick, kick up our heels and be happy. It's not. This is as Ryan O'Hanley did put it. These wins have not been easy and they have not been pretty. 
but they have been wins. Do you think a beer company or Target or no, I'm sorry, a beer company or a clothing and major department store or another professional athletic association like the Dodgers is going to repeat what the three of them did? I don't. I don't think so. It seems to me, though, that the message is while we still have this remnant of common sense here, I'm not even going to call it conservatism because I think a lot of independents are offended by this nonsense, too. Independents who vacillate between the Democrats and Republicans on various issues. I think we have them on these issues. And this is why I think the culture war, as O'Hanley calls it, as we all call it, is so very important. That's where they're trying to get us, through our children, through our entertainment, through everywhere else. And that's where we've been successful of late, and only of late, of stopping them. Keep it up, I say. Bank failures, stock market volatility, talk of a recession, obvious inflation. Where do you go to invest? You go to Y-Refi. They have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they're headquartered here locally. You can stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101 and visit with them. I encourage you to do so. They they do too. And I can tell you, you won't get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign a thing. But when you do meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust them and like them so much, and you can and will too. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. It's been a hard week for Biden and the Biden administration, um, especially when you think about what we were talking about, excuse me, on Wednesday, Bidenomics. Bidenomics. Joe Biden gave <laughs> you should you you want a lesson on how not to give a public speech? Watch his speech in Chicago if you can stand it. It it was everything he could do to get through it. It, it really was, and. What he said in his speech is that he's doing wonders for the nation's economy. Now, it's an interesting thing to try and sell that to the American people when fewer than 40% of them, 38%, in fact, approve of his job on the economy. 38%. Biden argued in Chicago, well, He returned to what the Issues and Insights folks call that old boogeyman known as trickle-down economics. Folks, let me say this as clearly as I can, Biden said. The trickle-down approach failed the middle class. It failed America. It blew up the deficit. It increased inequity, and it weakened the infrastructure. It stripped the dignity, pride, and hope of communities one after another, particularly through the Midwest, Western Pennsylvania, and heading west. Is is that your memory of the Reagan economy or the Trump economy? 
Is that is does that comport with anything close to a concept of reality? I have more to say about that, and we will say more about that. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.